0: Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellen Moss from Night Last Strategy. Hey everybody, today we're going to take a look one last time at all of the transits that are converging over the weekend. There are a bunch of them, most of which we have looked at already over the course of the week, but we're going to take another look as we enter the weekend at all of these transits that are coming through and do some kind of quick takes and reminders on what to expect. Um, I'll emphasize some of the underlying themes. I'm going to draw a few tarot cards to help us understand some of the transits, but this will be a little bit more freewheeling. I decided today to make only a very loose set of talking points so that we can just kind of see what comes forth, especially when I draw a few cards. So uh, a bunch of transits coming through. We have Venus moving into a trine with Jupiter over the weekend, Mercury going into a conjunction with Mars over the weekend, Venus going into a sextile with Saturn over the weekend, the Sun going through a square with Pluto over the weekend, or excuse me, the Sun going through a square with Jupiter over the weekend. And then we have Mercury getting into a trine with Uranus and by Monday, Mars is getting into the trine with Uranus. So that's a lot. (laughs) That is a ton of transits happening all over the course of just a few days. So it should be a very busy weekend. Now you may only experience one of those transits or maybe two of them really stand out. Uh, They're all active. So we're gonna refresh on the archetypal symbolism of each of those transits and then try to draw some of the themes together as we did earlier at the start of the week when we looked at all of them. So anyway, that's our agenda for today. Before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe. When you press the like button, it takes two seconds and it really helps the channel to grow. Uh, We super appreciate it when you guys do that. You can find a transcript of today's talk or any of my daily talks on the website, nightlightastrology.com. When you're over there, be sure to check out all of our courses that started this month, especially the Masterclass Series on the Fixed Stars, the Year 3 Class in Counseling Astrology. You only need to be enrolled in Year 1 in my programs to join the Counseling Program. Uh, So if you're already a Year 1 student, feel free to jump in on that. Or if you're planning on taking Year 1 in June, you could also jump in on that. Uh, Masterclass Series on the Fixed Stars just began. And then our Moon Circle, Roots and Spheres, uh, which is meeting before new and full moons. Not too late to jump in on that either. So if you're, as you're looking at those and you may find that uh, you need a little help, need-based tuition is open for all of those if you need it. So any questions, email us info at nightlightastrology.com. Alrighty, uh, let's put the chart up on the screen and let's point out the transits that are coming. So I have today pulled up and I just want to show you what's happening. First of all, Notice that Venus is going to trine Jupiter. When does that trine come through exactly? It comes through Sunday into Monday. Sunday into Monday. So we have the 28th into the 29th of January. That transit you will be feeling over the weekend. Let's go back to Friday here. And let's notice that Mercury and Mars are coming together in a conjunction. When will you feel that? You will notice that Saturday, tomorrow morning, January 27th. And then it has a few days where it's fading. Let's go back again. What about about Venus hitting the sextile to Saturn? While, by the way, there is mutual reception between the two. Venus is in Saturn's sign. Saturn is in Venus's exaltation and bound. Nice reception between Venus and Saturn. What do we see? We see Venus moving through the sextile. Uh, between Friday and Sunday, the 26th to the 28th, everything, (laughs) it's all happening. And what about the sun squaring Jupiter? Here you can see this is Friday, January 26th, move it ahead by a day and you get the square having completed itself. So between the 26th and 27th, the sun will also square Jupiter. It's a powerful series of transits, right? Um, What am I missing? Yeah. So then what about the uh uranus or excuse me mercury getting into a trine with uranus that is happening on the 28th between the 28th sunday and the 29th monday we have mercury trining uranus and then shortly after we will have uh by tuesday by monday to tuesday mars will trine so You can see it is just a a really powerful series of aspects that are all forming over the course of several days. So what we wanna do is take some time to explore each of those and um, just kind of in review, right? So first of all, remember, remember that so much of this has to do with Venus. And let me point this out. We have Jupiter in Venus's sign and Venus's bound. Uh, while Uranus is also in Venus's sign uh, and in Jupiter's bound. So we're connecting. It's like a little connect-the-dots game. That's a lot of emphasis on Venus. We have Saturn in Venus's exaltation and Venus's bound. Uh, We also have the Sun as it squares Jupiter moving into Venus's bound. Uh, So it's in Saturn's sign, but it's moving into Venus's bound. Uh, And then we have um, both Mercury and Mars conjoining in Venus's bound. And then we have Venus herself moving into the trine with Jupiter. So and remember, Jupiter's just recently turned direct. So the underlying theme that we talked about all week long was that all of these transits are sort of serving Venus. They have to sort of conform to Venus's desires, uh, Venus's limitations, uh, Venus's shadows, Venus's um, visions and dreams. And so the underlying, the current of Venus, what are we doing for art, for beauty, for love, for friendship, for sexuality and relationships? There's so much that's being built, shaped, reshaped, developed for the sake of something Venusian. And that could be something bodily. That could be something romantic. It could be an ideal, beautiful image that you have in your mind. A lot of earthiness, which means that things are trying to structurally shape and be shaped and reshaped. So a lot of actual tangible stuff that can come out of these um aspects, especially given that Venus likes sensual embodiment and that earth signs uh follow suit. You know, in um ancient astrology, I'll just make sure I'm like before I talk on my butt. Yeah, so there's um there was a system of triplicity rulerships. And did you know that Venus was also the ruler of all of the Earth signs in a daytime chart? I was like just making sure it wasn't nighttime, but it was the moon that's nighttime in Earth. So Venus has in Venus is exalted and in and in her rulership of course in uh Taurus. So we have a, an affinity between Venus and the sensual realm of earth. And Capricorn remember one of the things we said about Capricorn recently is that one of the things that motivates Capricorn I'm just going to turn this off so I can see you guys. Hi. So one of the things that uh motivates Capricorn is the desire to escape or move from base conditions to Conditions of um, achievement. But the achievement can be, is often, Manilius described this. We used a quote from the Roman uh, astrologer Manilius earlier this week, where he said, you know, the sort of earlier part of Capricorn, if you want to think about it in terms of degrees or even just developmentally, has to do like a goat that can escape, is an escape artist that can escape its pen or climb up a mountain. That Capricorn has within it the desire to scale from a lowly condition to a higher one. But oftentimes, at least initially, that higher vision is in terms of material gratification, wealth, uh, power, beauty, sensual gratification. And there's nothing, I'm not trying to condemn those things, but then there's this kind of upper echelon that Capricorn points us to as a sign that was also called the gateway of the gods. And it points us to the escape from the material world altogether, going to the top of the mountain from a a lower condition. Uh, Now, I don't necessarily look at the earth and see us in a lower condition, but there are times where we certainly do look at the material world and we say, how can I rise above some of the entanglements that I find here? That's a Capricornian theme insofar as we wrestle with and try to move up the the landscape of the material world toward the highest point. Now that can be envisioned again in very worldly materialistic ways or in higher spiritual ways, but either way, Right now, as we're building towards something, ascending towards something, and remember, Pluto has just changed signs after climbing the mountain to the very top of Capricorn. There's new images. There's like new blueprints, new ideas. Um, We're trying to create some space as well with Pluto entering Aquarius. Uh, And um, the the whole scheme right now really points toward what we find most desirable, what we're building or ascending toward, and also questions about how we incorporate our spirituality in the ascent so that it's not purely a material ascent okay so anyway that forms some of the background of what we're working with at the moment with all of these transits especially those that involve you know Capricorn and Taurus but let's go back and take a look at these and I'll just kind of refresh so Venus is in the trine to Jupiter it's productive it's earthy it's sensual it wants to build and develop something with an eye for Venusian interest. Okay, so that's very, uh, you know, very basic. We have Mercury and Mars conjoining in Capricorn. It's analytical. Remember, I did this talk this week on uh, words, five things to think about with respect to words, language, and communication with Mercury and Mars. There's a huge emphasis right now on the analytical, the executive, the judging, the building, the planning, the problem solving, the scheming, the mapping, um, the executing of strong intentions and earthly, practical, incremental building plans. So there's a nice kind of combination. Those two planets are coming together, by the way, on the fixed star Vega, which is um, a star that's associated with Mercury and Venus, kind of has a craftsman, artisan uh, flavor to it. Uh, pretty auspicious for things like business and and wealth and, uh, you know, building or developing material goods or services, crafts and skills. It's an interesting fixed star that's in the mix there. I I can't help but let you guys uh, know, by the way, that one of the reasons you might see me incorporating fixed stars more, uh, decans more, uh, minor dignities more is because I am someone who very incrementally, by the way, builds new things into my practices. Uh, I like to give myself many years of understanding basic things before I add additional things. And about the past year of my practice, I felt ready to start slowly incorporating uh, some of the other tools tools of ancient astrology, which include things like decans, bound rulers, fixed stars, et cetera, which is why I'm teaching them my first uh, masterclass on the fixed stars, because they've become more a part of my practice in the past year. Anyway, I just say that in case some of, some of you have been asking why I'm including some of these details. And that's why. they've It's always been a part of the plan to include them. It's just sometimes... Uh, these details take a while before you feel ready to incorporate them publicly. It's like I've, I spend a lot of time in the lab and my client practice utilizing things before I start using them um, like on YouTube or in my classrooms. Anyway, uh, so the other thing that's happening is Venus and Saturn are coming together, earth and water. Well, this suggests that whatever we're building is being refined and shaped by a kind of emotional wisdom and maturity, a mystical, romantical yearning. Uh, a bit of melancholy, and also a, a sign of emotional, something that we have to be careful and tactful emotionally with. It's not just build what you want, build something beautiful, ascend new plans and a map, and let's just, you know, put shovel to earth and build what we want to build. There's also with Venus and Saturn, the connection has a kind of melancholic wisdom. It's like, what are the right boundaries that need to be set? What are my yeses and nos? How do I handle this in a way that is emotionally considerate of other people in my life, that includes the thoughts and feelings of others, that's sensitive to the larger environment in which I'm building something? What is the larger purpose for what I'm doing, not just my own, but a collective concern, a compassion, or an empathy that connects me to uh, more than myself. These tend to be the concerns of Saturn, who's co-present with Neptune and Pisces. It's a really nice connection there between these two, but it also grants a kind of depth. There's like a grandmother in the room overseeing what we're building, you could say, and I like that energy a lot. Um, I want to. Um, what I would like to do is I'm going to. Oh, whoops! No, never mind. I'm not even close. I was going to draw some tarot cards. I'm going to do that in a minute. I have more transits. Uh, so um, we also have the Sun squaring Jupiter. Uh, this is fantastic when it comes to that similar energy to Sun and and Pluto conjoining in Aquarius when they first entered. The Sun has a new blueprint. You know, it has. It's excited because it's come off the conjunction with Pluto in uh, Aquarius. And Aquarius is like the starry celestial blueprint. However, the ideas, the blueprint that is coming forth from Pluto is also about creating spaciousness, creating depth. There's an intense need for depth and space in which to create, you know, um, Ashley recently went to um, Virginia's uh, school, like elementary school, and she did an art class, she like presented, they have like a space for parents to come in and present on a cool topic. And Ashley went in and talked about the year that she spent studying abroad in Australia, where one of the things that she ended up learning quite a bit about, not like, um, yeah, she learned quite a bit about in a university setting and also just kind of culturally was um, the Aboriginal dream time. And this was something that made a huge impact on her as a young girl studying abroad for a year in Australia. And anyway, so she brought in some examples of artwork that she had picked up in Australia. Um, that, like, like I, I guess it was a- a- Aboriginal artwork. And it, for, forgive me if, it's, um, if I'm saying anything incorrectly or if, if there's some way that I phrase something that's insensitive. Um, I always try to be careful of that when talking about Indigenous peoples or culture that I don't, you know, that I'm not personally a part of. But anyway, so she brought in, talked about her study abroad trip and brought in, uh, these pieces of art that, that she, that had made a big impact on her. Right. And, um and then the kids got to like, look at the artwork and um talk about like what they liked about it and stuff. And then I think they did an exercise where they tried to mimic like what they saw in the artwork, you know, like, let me try to do. And I think the, the anyway, the point was one of the things that she had learned was that there was an emphasis for this, this kind of uh, access to the dream time that focused on, um, there was a use of dots, like, uh, and I'm, I might be messing this up, but there was like a use of dots. And, but it was very important that she, she learned this when she was there, that that there was a, a lot of attention paid to the way that the dots uh, actually were, it wasn't so much about the dots, but it was about the space that the dots illuminated. And um, there's there's an emphasis on the, the space between things. Anyway, this was a thing that had left a lasting impression on her as a young student learning about, I guess, uh, aboriginal artwork or, or what have you in Australia. So anyway, she was telling them about this and, and Ashley could tell you more about the exact details because she presented this, not me. <laughs> but anyway, it was the thing that I thought was really impactful and that I go, oh, wow, that's a lot like Pluto in Aquarius, is that Pluto in Aquarius emphasizes the possibilities or potential Uh, that can come forth of of beautiful ideas, artwork, et cetera, when we um, pay attention to the kinds of spaces that we're creating, not just what we fill a space with, uh, but also the kind of space we create so that something can come forth from space. You can't have something beautiful in spirit or dream or image or myth or metaphor or poetry come forth unless you create space for something to come forth from. Aquarius loves space. Um, Pluto loves the the kind of via negativa, the the negative space from which something deep can come up and show itself, which is why we often associate it with the unconscious in psychology. But it's also like literal, create space and amazing creative things will show forth through the space you create. It's like creating some kind of wormhole for things to come up through. Anyway, and I think part of the creation of space had to do with like, like, there was a there was an importance paid on on creating space in 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 the artwork, and so at any rate, if I'm misrepresenting that on some level, I apologize, and maybe I'll have Ashley on to speak to what she had learned when she was there, or something at some point. And and if there's any people, by the way, who are uh, from Australia or in Indigenous people that could speak to it too, that would be really interesting to hear your comments in the comment section because I'm probably really misrepresenting this right now, so just want to issue that out of respect, but. The point being that when the sun squares Pluto, sun, or excuse me, when the sun coming off from the conjunction to Pluto in Aquarius squares Jupiter, the idea is that Jupiter in Taurus is very creative. It's very fertile and it's ready for something to shine, to come forth like uh, the burst of uh, berries on the bush or the, the, the burst of uh, fragrant flowers in the spring when the sun coming off from that space-creating, deep space-creating Pluto in Aquarius hits the square to Jupiter, it is as though we're looking at the uh, idea of creating space so that something can come forth, or maybe something's ready to come forth because we started to create space for something. This is an image that came to me as I was listening to Virginia and Ashley talk about this uh, artwork that she brought into class. Anyway, so... um I was thinking like, oh, I should go in, you know, I'm like, well, what, what, what could I share? And the idea, by the way, the idea of this series is to, for parents to share it, things that have interested them artistically, like the parents of the kids to go in and say that. So that almost like the kids can get to know the artistic side of, of the, the parents, which I think is actually a really great idea because. Anyway, that's a total tangent. (laughs) I like, I just love that idea because it's like, you know, when I grew up, God, I didn't know any of the, I really didn't know any of the parents of my classmates. And uh, yeah, there's something that creates better community when you do that, I think. Very, very Aquarian, by the way. Anyway, so I was thinking like, well, what what would I bring in? And then I thought to myself, well, my favorite would be like Pablo Amaringo, the uh, ayahuasca artist from South America, who I, I have some of his work. And I'm like, or oh, go in and start telling them about entheogens, then then i'd be uh <laughs> i'd be like don't bring is virginia's dad is not welcome back <laughs> he's trying to drug all the kids <laughs> so anyway um okay let's go back so um this is fascinating because we have the um after we go through the sun square to jupiter i think about the space and the ideal images and the space needed to to allow the ideal images to sort of come forth into form. And there's a nice connection between the Jupiter and the sun together can also be sort of like pompous and arrogant and grandiose and overstated. And so you want to watch, watch out maybe a little bit for like people with authority complexes and all that kind of stuff. But anyway. um, Okay. So let's see here. Then uh the other thing that we have to pay attention to is mercury going into the trine with uranus now that's going to come in over sunday into monday uh, and that transit is also very much about ideas springing forth this is where you get the combination of executive and analytical thinking and problem solving but now you're you're adding some real um like a like lightning in a bottle you're you're capturing something that is um, really, it's a dazzling, dazzling ideas where you're you're sort of struck by those beams or flashes of insight, Uh, intellectual brilliance, and, um, and thinking outside the box and inventiveness and originality of mind and speech. Also, be careful, you can pop off with Mars, Mercury, Trining, Uranus, there's a tendency to like, you know, I don't know, sudden outbursts of words, you know, violent or erratic thoughts and speech and stuff like that this actually this combination of mercury mars and uranus i wouldn't be surprised to see something sort of erratic uh in the news that that really captures this like you know someone um becoming fanatical and, and sort of crazy uh that that is a possibility but the trine between these these energies for most of us should appear as like quick fast executive uh, original thinking that frees up space that liberates the disentangles Uh, Nice qualities there. Anyway, so what I wanna do now is just draw a few cards to help us synthesize some of these transits and let the cards sort of speak to the transits at hand. And uh, I'm just gonna draw a few cards and just let them kind of mingle together and uh, see what comes up. All right. All right. All righty. Ooh, I like these, these are, these are interesting. And then I'm gonna draw one more. Yeah, okay. So I like that one of the, okay, so I'm gonna turn this off right now. So I just drew some cards with the intention of the cards helping us understand the confluence of these transits all happening at once. The first two cards I drew were the Ace of Pentacles, and then the two of pentacles and you can see in these cards the actually the ace of pentacles is i think probably the one that i'm like oh of course right you know this one makes the most sense ace of pentacles really has to do with the you know the start of something new like a a new beginning and the the building and developing of something new that has material or maybe financial um uh there, there's an intention behind it to build or grow something materially or financially. You often see that Pentacles are Earth, so you know this this idea of the start of something or the building of something or a new idea, a new plan that has the potential to be prosperous in the future, kind of comes as a new idea is forming. That's th- this this one makes a lot of sense to me. The Ace is sort of like, yeah, that's exactly with all the Earth going on. But then the Two of Pentacles is interesting because the Two is really about balancing or or juggling things. You can see he's on one foot, the waves and ships are rolling on the waves up and down. He's balancing or juggling the two uh, coins in the infinity symbol. He's sort of off balance. So I also like this as, you know, there there might be a kind of juggling act or decisions we have to make or, um, you know, a, a choice between two things or having to manage a few, like kind of like having a few irons in the fire at once. And also maybe, maybe um, some need to, uh, there's a crossroads of some kind and the juggling of different priorities and desires, a kind of multimodal uh, management of assets and resources as you're s- just initially starting to develop things and build things. So I like these two cards, very earthy and, and really kind of showing us the, the busyness of the moment that we're in and the the kind of managing of different priorities as we build something new. So I like those a lot and then the next two cards that i drew are major they happen to be major arcana cards the one is strength this makes a ton of sense to me as we're just coming off the full moon in uh in leo uh somewhat recently right so if we if we go back to uh friday friday at the at uh today where we have the full with the full moon just coming out of the full moon in leo and the full moon in leo at the early degree you might Remember, I talked about in connection to Jupiter and also the development of um wealth and beauty and opulence and what we take pride in, talked about it as a kind of queenly um full moon. I like this because this to me suggests that what we're there's a lot of power and desire behind what we're building right now. And there could be some need to tame some hungry or lustful or like uh kind of kind of um. Uh, you know, a part of ourselves that is um, that is maybe like the the egotistical, desiring or materialistic part that that needs to be tamed a little bit in the process. There's a lot of excitement in the air for for building something that's very desirable or connecting with things that we're very excited about. There's also some need to maybe tame the ego or tame the desire body in the process. And then the last card I pulled is the Wheel of Fortune. And to me, this suggests that we're reaching a really important turning point within a cycle that has some history behind it. Uh, Whatever the Wheel of Fortune card comes up, I always think to myself, okay, well, we're in the midst of a decisive turning point within a cycle that we've been in for a while. Or we might be ready to uh, complete uh, an important portion of a cycle or great work or something. And then once we've, we've sort of completed this portion, we're ready for something new. Or we could see a reversal in circumstance that something that's been going one way suddenly turns and it's ready to go in a different way. Um, I also think about this. Remember, you, you see the the the, de- the depictions of the fixed signs. You've got Aquarius, Taurus, Leo, and Scorpio uh, on the, the fixed signs in the corners of the card. And uh, Scorpio obviously being represented here by the phoenix. But you have um, this other idea, which is that there's, There's real mystery in the way that karma works and in the way that the cycles of fortune turn and return. So we've been here before. We've crossed this way before. We're returning to a similar point in the spiral. And uh, there's some history behind what's happening. And so when I see these together, I say, we're getting a chance to do something the right way, to get something right, to correct some in some way where maybe the ego has crossed over before and transgressed. Um, And then I, again, I go back to these and just notice that the earthiness of what we're building and the prospects for the future of what we're building are really um, promising with those cards. So anyway, uh, yeah, some interesting symbols. And you can take those symbols and think about them for yourself. Maybe they're speaking to you directly in some way right now. And uh, if you feel like sharing, we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to... uh, Drop a comment about those cards in the comment section. Don't forget, head over to the website before you leave today and check out the new classes that began, the Masterclass Series, Year 3 in Counseling Astrology, uh, the Moon Circle, Roots and Spheres. Uh, We'd love to have you in any of those and check out the need-based tuition option if you would like to take one of the courses but can't afford it. Any questions, email us, info at nightlightastrology.com. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Please come back and tell us your stories. By the way, use the hashtag grabbed or email us your story, grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. If you've got a good story that matches with any of these transits over the weekend, uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. All right, that's it for now. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.